Elizabeth Leonard was living in New York City and had her dream job working at Rebecca Minkoff. She'd worked her way up the company from a position as a receptionist to a job in the PR department. Then her life changed dramatically and for the better. If you think it can't get better than what Elizabeth had going for her in New York, then keep listening. She moved to Santiago, Chile a little over three years ago to be closer to her long-term boyfriend who had been living and working down there himself for a handful of years. Taking a leap from leaving the only city she had ever known, Elizabeth moved to Chile. And it gets better yet because she still had the opportunity to work for Rebecca Minkoff, but this time on a remote basis leading special projects. Last fall, one of those special projects involved helping Rebecca launch the Female Founder Collective, a network of businesses led by women supporting women. Its mission is to enable and empower female-owned and led businesses to positively impact our community, both socially and economically. Businesses that are a part of the collective have the opportunity to share a special FFC seal on their storefront or website that signifies that by shopping there, a consumer is supporting a female-founded business. Today, in episode 94 of I Want Her Job, the podcast, Elizabeth joins me, I Want Her Job founder, Brianne, to discuss making major moves, the importance of kindness in career advancement, and why working as a receptionist is a job with a lot of benefits. We also discuss her mindset working remotely, the importance of routine when working at home, and why a dog named Ziggy was one of the greatest beings to ever come into her life. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, You have such an exciting job, and I can't wait to hear all about it and share it with our listeners. But before we get into that, I'd like to go back to the beginning, like 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 way back when you were a little girl. And um, I want to ask you, like like what was that first job that you held? Did you babysit? Were you a waitress? Did you do any kind of those typical first jobs? I I did do a little bit of babysitting. But with two younger sisters, that was probably enough babysitting for anybody. So I actually, I was a sales associate um, just in a small boutique, um, and I did that for a few years. And I continued to do that at other boutiques throughout college as well. And tell me a little something that you learned in that job while you were working at those boutiques that you still use to this day, maybe a lesson that sticks with you. Um, One of the most important things I learned is that, you know, kindness and treating people as equals goes a long way. Um, You know, there were many times where I had other sales associates I would work with and you know, they would be judgmental or, you know, not want to give people the time of day based on numerous reasons. And when you're just kind to somebody, when you give them the time of day, it, it, it doesn't take much at all, but it goes a very, very long way. And I think that that's something that we can apply to our jobs, but also in our daily lives as well. I couldn't agree with you more on that. It's a great lesson to learn um, and one that hopefully everybody listening uses on a daily basis. Um, so I'm curious a little bit uh, kind of about your, your career history. So, I mean, when you were younger, did you ever dream you'd be working for one of the biggest fashion designers for women? No, surprisingly, and it's, it's funny, when I, this is kind of, fast forwarding a little bit, but when I got the interview for the job, 
I was I had gotten it through a recruiter, and I had no idea who Rebecca Minkoff was. And at that time, I just was fresh out of college. I had had a few temp jobs, and I just really wanted to start my career. And I was like, oh, well, you know, this sounds good. Little did I know, after Googling her and doing my research before the interview, I was like, wow, this is crazy. And it's just, you know, life's funny like that, and it's so unexpected, and you know, there is a reason for everything. I truly believe that. But, you know, it kind of just fell into my lap. And I think that that's the best part of, you know, where I am now because I didn't go into it with that sort of fangirl mentality. It was more, I need a job. I'm going to work really hard. And it came as, as an added bonus that, Rebecca Minkoff is who she is, and now I have been able to work for her for six years. So let's talk a little bit about your college experience. So you mentioned that you worked on the retail side um, as your first jobs. So what was your degree in? What did you go to college for and study? Um, I went to college for PR. Um, I graduated with a degree in organizational and corporate Okay, that's exciting. So um, I'm sure that's something you use in your job on a daily basis. Um, so it's, it's a great degree to have, would you say? Yes, definitely. You know, I think the, the core of, I want to say, majority of jobs, no matter what industry you're in, it all starts with communication. And to be able to have that skill while it seems so simple, the ability to communicate what you want, what you need, you know, to voice your opinion, it all starts with communication. And without that, you're really, you're never going to succeed because it's such an important skill everybody needs. I would absolutely agree with that. I, you make some very good points. Um, so you have this degree. You were reached out to by a recruiter. How did you connect with the recruiter? Were you researching recruiters online? Did she reach out to you? How did that initial connection start? Um, actually, at the time, I had just moved in to New York City, and I was living with two of my cousins who are two years, one's two years older than me, one's three years older than me, and they actually had both used her in the past, and, you know, when you're starting out fresh out of college, the job market is super, super intimidating, and it's so, um, you know, congested, and it's really hard to figure out where to begin or where to start, and for me, you know, I reached out to this recruiter because I'm super type A, so I wanted to make sure... I had everything organized. I had my resume up to date, you know, that I my cover letters were correct. I really wanted to work with a recruiter for more of a, you know, organized, structured point of view more than anything. Mm-hmm. And then once once you got your start uh, working at Rebecca Minkoff and for Rebecca, um, how did you work your way up the company? What Walk me through some of, like, your career progression since you've started there. 
So, ironically enough, I actually started as a temp, and I was the receptionist. So, you know, I took this role because I, the job before that, I was a freelancer for this tech startup, and I really wanted to finally get into an office. So, it was a temp position, be the receptionist for, you know, a three-month stint, um, but during that time, you know, I had the opportunity to meet Rebecca, and we had this instant connection. Um, so luckily, what was a temp position turned into full-time, and I was hired. And from there, I actually, while being the receptionist, I took on the role of being the executive assistant to Rebecca, the CFO, and the president. Um, so I was doing both of those jobs. And it was incredible. You know, people sometimes, I don't want to say ashamed, but sometimes are embarrassed to say, oh, yeah, I was a receptionist. But I truly think it's one of the most rewarding positions to have. You are the first face everybody sees when they walk in and the last face they see when they leave. And you get to connect with every department, every single employee, and you're able to interact with them. And as someone who's fresh out of college, just entering the workforce, you kind of, you know, everyone kind of has an idea of what they want to do. But when you're a receptionist, you get to see bits and pieces of every different department because sometimes the path you think you're going to have can change completely. And you're involved in the day-to-day. -day. And so it's super, super rewarding. And I was able to become super close with everybody. Um, and from there, I moved to the PR team. So I was the dig digital PR coordinator. I did VIP and blogger relations. And I also um, helped with our events team as well. Um, all along, though, I, you know, kept my quote-unquote position with Rebecca because we just work so well together, and it's, if something's working, if it's not broken, you know, why, why disconnect? And from there, when I moved to Chile about three and a half years ago, I kind of had to adjust my role. Um, so I kind of adapted it to the things I had been doing, and to what I could do from here. So I do a lot of uh, our special projects for Rebecca Minkoff. And then on top of that, in September, Rebecca and I launched the Female Founder Collective, which is what takes up most of my time. So let's talk about that. I'm so excited. I uh, read the article in USA Today about it. I've followed you on Instagram. Um, tell us a little bit, to those listening, a little bit about what the Female Founder Collective is and what your role with the organization and, and your mission involves. Yeah, absolutely. So Female Founder Collective is a network of female-founded businesses and women-owned businesses, um, you know, it's women supporting women, and our mission is to basically enable and empower these businesses, um, both socially and economically. For us, and we 
started it, um, Rebecca was actually in a meeting about a year or so ago, maybe a little less, and she realized, you know, so many consumers, so many female founders, you know, anybody, they want to support these female-founded businesses, but there's no way to identify them. Um, there's no way to signify a female-founded business from another business. So with that kind of thought process, Rebecca was like, we should create an easily recognizable skill to show any human that that business is run and founded by a woman. Um, you know, it's basically taking a skill as recognizable as a made in New York symbol or a non-GMO symbol on the back of a of a package and having that say female founder collective. You know, one that we'll see all over and one that will let you know that you purchased from and gave back to the female founder community. Um, you know, it, it's by creating this, this symbol, we can effectively shape the consumer's purchasing decisions, and, you know, there's tons of research behind this, but what has been most rewarding is that there's been such an outpour of support and an eagerness to connect, and it really shows that there was a need for something like this. These women are so talented, there's, there's so much happening, and there's so much knowledge to be shared, and this is giving all of those women the opportunity to do so. That's amazing. I love that this is something that you created, and doing some research, I saw that some women that we featured on I Want Her Job and on this podcast are involved in it, so it's, it's very exciting to see that. And um, your, your title, per se, with the Female Founder Collective is also uh, that you're, you're the Senior Manager of Community and Brand Partnerships. So, so what does that involve? Uh, are you reaching out to new founders to build this community? Are they reaching out to you and you're managing the application process on your website? What, what is kind of the, the nitty-gritty behind what you do? So... For the day-to-day, it's, let's see, well, there, things are constantly changing, um, you know, it's because we are more or less ourselves startup, um, but there's so many things that I get to be a part of. I'm the one reviewing the applications, you know, constant, I'm the point of contact are all members, all potential members, um, you know, I help with event creation, with event production, with partnerships with other brands, with some of our founders, um, you know, in the month of March, we had a bunch of different activations that we did around Women's History Month, um, and by doing so, you know, we wanted to celebrate all of these female female founders, and it was super exciting to be a part of all of these different collaborations, and I also help coordinate and oversee our campaigns, um, you know, there's a lot of different moving parts to the day-to-day, which is something that I love so much, because every 
is is new and different than the last. And things are constantly changing, and so it kind of keeps you on your toes, and you always have you know something exciting to look forward to. So for those who are listening to this episode of the podcast, what is something that you want every person to know about the Female Founder Collective? And and what's that message that you want us to help amplify? Let's see. I think the most important thing to share, you know, everybody, even from the smallest things you can do, we can all support each other. Um, you know, I think it's super important to just spread the word and support each other because when we support each other, we can achieve so much more. And I think the underlying message is collaboration over competition. Um, it's so, so, so important to support each other and be each other's biggest supporters because we're all in this together. And when you remove that competition, we can do so much more. Well said. (laughs) So you've mentioned a little bit earlier in our conversation that your role with the organization changed when you moved to Chile. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Um, I mean, not all of us work in a a different country and and work for an organization here in the States at the same time. So what is that like? Uh, Fill us in. You know, working remotely is super different um and you know being when you're living in a different country your your environment is super different it requires a lot of self-motivation and self-management um but the one thing that I appreciate the most is that my perspective on on things you know my mentality and the way I view certain things has changed but in a good way um you know you kind of you kind of get a different perspective on life. Things are well, at the same time also, there is no place like New York City. It's a it's a beast of its own and I lived there, you know, all my life. I'm born and raised from there, but when you remove yourself from that environment, you realize that there's so many other incredible things going on in the world and I think that that in itself is a huge advantage and a huge opportunity for me because I'm able to expand my skill set, you know, travel, see the world, but also, you know, I take pride in the fact that I can get my job done without having somebody to tell me what to do. And working remotely is not for everybody. It does take a lot of self-motivation. You know, people think you're just sitting in bed and, you know, in your pajamas all day, and maybe some people do do that, but I'm somebody that has to get up. I have my routine, and I think when you set a routine for yourself, it makes it a lot easier. Absolutely. So, and that's great advice, especially for anyone considering working remote. And um, I'm curious to know, what was the impetus for your move to Chile? Was it just a place on your bucket list that you always wanted to move to? Did you have friends or family members there? What What lit that fire 
Well, funny enough, um, before I lived here, the only places I had ever visited before were the Bahamas and Jamaica. So traveling was never a huge part of my life. Um, but at the time, my boyfriend had current, he's from Florida, and he had been living here already for about three years. And we kind of were at a crossroads in our relationship, and we asked ourselves, you know, do we want to make this work? And if so, what are our options? And at the time, he had just gotten a raise or a promotion at work, and, you know, leaving for him wasn't really an option. So I decided to take a leap of faith, and I moved to Chile. And now it's been three and a half years, and it's unbelievable. And my boyfriend is now my fiance because we just got engaged a few days ago. Oh my gosh, congratulations, Elizabeth. It's Thank so exciting. You. Wow, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> it's funny because um, I've gone through some some major life changes myself and kind of those pivotal moments where I'm like, okay, I have to jump here. It's like jumping off a cliff and doing something that I'm terrified of. Um, and, and like jumping off a cliff when you've never done it before, essentially. So, But I found that when I go through those moments, I get a little bit of confidence every time. Would you say that you've experienced something similar by, by taking a bold step and, and moving to a different country? Absolutely. You know, I've always had this overwhelming fear of the unknown and a fear of change. But when I took a leap of faith to come here and to live here, I had everyone in my world against me saying it was so stupid and why did you do that and you're going to regret it. And I, from the day I arrived, I have never even been close to regretting anything about this decision. You know, it's so, it's the thrill of doing something different, stepping outside of your comfort zone, it's, it's something that you can't even explain. It's, you know, the unknown, everybody is scared of that in some way or another, but the unknown is also something we can't control, and unless you take that leap, you never know what could come of it. I imagine it has an extra layer of difficulty to it as well because you mentioned that you're type A and you're very organized and you like to have everything planned out. So to go and embark on a journey that doesn't have a plan, so to speak, it must have been a little bit intimidating but also perhaps freeing at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on because I really... I'm a control freak. Like, I need to always have a plan. Things always need to, you know, be set up and organized. And, you know, this was kind of just a, everything of this was on the, didn't, I didn't know how it was going to work out. I didn't know if I was going to like it. I didn't know if I was going to be super homesick. But my boyfriend has been so patient and so understanding and, you know, it's, you can't, what I've learned is you can't worry about the future. You literally, you have to take each day at a time because when you're worrying so much about tomorrow, a month from now, you miss out on 
on everything that's going on right in the second. And it's really taught me, living here has made me slow down and be patient and just, it's so cliche, but really just live in the moment because that's where we are. We can't change the past. We can't control the future. You know, all we can do is here right now. This is such a pep talk. I think anyone listening to this podcast when they're running or driving to work, they'll hear this advice and they'll go like, yes, yes. Like, I've been thinking about making this move or I've been thinking about, you know, traveling to this place. Like, this is inspiring to hear. Like, I should do it. It's always so great to hear when women take a risk and then it ends up working out for them or, or anyone, period. It doesn't even have to be a female. Absolutely. So I, I'm curious to know a little bit. So working remotely, what are the hours like in a role like yours? And what is your approach and mindset to work time and personal time? Do you feel they kind of blend together? Or do you have set hours where you work and then set hours where you're exploring Chile? What, what, is, what is your mindset and your schedule like? So luckily, um, the time difference right now, we're actually the same time as New York, so it works out because my hours are the same as theirs. The only, there's a few months out of the year where I'm two hours ahead, um, but I actually use that to my advantage because it's, you know, two hours of time for me before everybody else is at work to get things done, catch up on emails, you know, kind of set my to-do list for the day. Um, I never, I never really stray away from a normal work day. Um, you know, there's always so much going on and being in the same time zone, I kind of try to stick to that and when everyone else is working, I'm working and when we're offline, we're offline. Um, and things worked out pretty well. I mean, it's the only difference is having that lack of, you know, human connection throughout the day. It was definitely a huge adjustment, not having people around you, um, because, you know, we all want to have somebody to talk to, just to check in with, kind of remove yourself, um, but when I first moved here, actually, one of the biggest things that helped was my boyfriend and I adopted a dog, and it added something to my routine, and it's so silly, but you know, I wake up when my boyfriend's getting ready for work. He leaves the dog out, and that's kind of my my motivation to, like, get up, get dressed, and go outside because you have to, I don't, it doesn't matter if you're working from home or you're in an office. Everybody needs oh, at least a five-minute break. You have to step away, you know, regroup, clear your mind, and come back. And having a dog, you know, being in an apartment, you can't ignore her, and so it forces me to get up a few times out of the day, go outside, take her for a walk, you know, take a breather, and come back, and I think without that, it would be very, it would be very hard to stay, you know, concentrated on things, because it's so repetitive, but it's a weird it's a weird kind of distraction, and it forces me to feel somewhat like I'm in an office. 
I can imagine too, especially what, what a switch that is going from being someone at one point in your career where you were uh, working the reception desk and you're really at the hub of everything that was going on. And then, and then now you're in a different place. So you're not seeing those faces on a day-to-day basis. You're not the first one and last one that someone sees. So um, it's nice to know that you have your dog. What's your dog's name? Her name is Ziggy, but uh, everyone thinks she is a boy because of Ziggy Marley, but she is not. She is a girl. That's amazing. (laughs) And I'm a fellow dog lover, too. In fact, my little dog, Zoe, was in here snuggling with me on my lap at the beginning of our conversation. (laughs) So she was here, too, listening in to your advice. But dogs really are the best. Um... They are. You make really good points about the importance of, of having a furry loved one around when you work from home, too. They they make all the difference. <laughs> so I, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, it, it's funny because you have this, what people would look at and they, they would see like the title of this podcast interview and be like, oh my gosh, Elizabeth has such a cool job. It's so glamorous. Um, what might be like something that... Um, someone listening might not realize is like a really cool part of your job that you get to do that might not be so obvious, but something that you personally find fulfillment in? Hmm. That's a good question. Let me think. I think one of the most fulfilling aspects of what I'm doing now, especially with the Female Founder Collective, is I have gotten, had the opportunity to meet and connect with so many unbelievably talented women, and the weird thing, not weird, but I guess it was kind of unexpected for me, is having this role with the Female Founder Collective, and when I have conversations with different women, they... In, a, in, a, in their own way, look up to me, and I'm somewhat of a role model for them. But to me, it's all of these women and what they're doing and the risks they're taking to be female founders, to have a startup, they're my role models. I envy them. I admire what they're doing. And having that mutual respect for each other is such an unbelievable feeling because it's just a, it's a respect and an unspoken, you know, admiration that we share, but it goes so far because we're all learning from each other in this little bubble, but it's, it's very cool because I'm someone that I sit here and I look up to all of these women And to have somebody say, like, oh, I admire what you're doing or you're so inspiring, I get so, I get so awkward when people give me compliments. So to be in a position where I've been getting a handful of compliments day in and day out, it's like I become that, what's that donkey from Winnie the Pooh? when he's just super bashful, and (laughs) that's literally what I become, because I don't think, in my mind, I don't think I'm doing anything, like, I'm so, I don't give myself enough credit, I guess, Mm -hmm. and to be given compliments, and, you know, kind of 
appreciated for what I'm doing is is something I can't even explain. It's it's unbelievably rewarding. I love your honesty with that too, because I think that's something, you know, that's something I've, I've felt before when, um, you know, I've been in moments where I've had a success or something where someone might look up to me, maybe it's an intern or someone that I'm mentoring. And it, it feels so bizarre because like, I still think back to the days when, you know, I was in that person's position and I wanted a job and I was looking up to a mentor. So it's, it's, it's a different spot of life to be in. Um, and with it comes a lot of excitement, but some vulnerabilities too and some things that make you think. I couldn't agree more. So I'd love to hear a little bit. Um, so y- you've obviously, you've had this this awesome career. You talk to all of these successful women. Uh, you work for Rebecca. What is, what is some advice that you've received in your career that really sticks with you? So it's funny because Rebecca has always been, you know, obviously someone I, I work with, my boss. Um, but she's also a mentor and also a very good friend of mine. But one of the very first things she told me when I first started at the company was, um, no is just the beginning of yes. And ever since she told me that, it's it always stuck with me and it's something I always think about. And it reminds me that there's no reason to stop, you know, criticism or negative feedback, people can take that so personally, and they can take the word no so personally, but that should just be even more motivation to keep going and reaching for what you want, because there's truly no reason to give up. And for someone listening what advice would you have for a person who wants to work in the fashion industry or would like to work in a role similar to yours? I think, you know, one of the most important things is that becoming a really good multitasker is one of the greatest skills that you can have. Um, to be able to balance multiple things at once, to be, you know, a creative thinker, to be outgoing, and to also make your presence known. Let people know that you're there, share your opinions, and, you know, don't be afraid of what people are going to think, because then you become your own worst enemy. You know, you need to you need to be your own advocate, and you need to believe in yourself in order to get to wherever it is you want to be. At the end of the day, you can't escape yourself. <laughs> so, Correct. so that is that is that is clutch clutch advice. I'm also curious to know, you've, you've done so many incredible things in your career thus far, but what are some of your future goals? Well, that's a really tough question, but, you know, I think, for me, I need to learn to practice what I preach. It's so easy to say things, um, but, you know, I still have so many things I, I want to work on personally, and it's, 
you know, believing in myself more and, you know, really appreciating how hard I've worked and being proud of that and also allowing myself to share that with other people and not be so afraid of opening up, um, you know, again, it kind of takes me back to my fear of the unknown and fear of change. And with the role I'm in now, things are changing on a day-to-day basis. And sometimes when I feel like I'm losing control or, you know, there's so much going on and it's chaotic, I get, you know, nervous and I kind of go into this shell, but I need to learn that everything will work out. And like I said in the beginning, if we don't take a risk, we'll never know what the future holds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's, it's easier to take the risk and, you know, have the chance of falling than it is to always wonder, what if I would have done that? What would have happened if I would have done this thing? So I love that you're living your life without regrets. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's so true, like, that I think taking a risk is way easier and less anxiety-ridden than being there a week later saying, what if I did do that? Because then you're always wondering, like mm-hmm. you said, it, and that in itself is so much more overwhelming. It can be torturous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, speaking of the future, future goals, future mindsets, um, what is something that you'd love to learn more about? So, for example, right now, something that I'm really into that I want to learn more about is is home decorating and home design. It's something that is just kind of like lighting me up inside. What's something that, that you're curious about and that you want to kind of dig into a little bit more? Hmm. I would love to learn more about interior design. One of my very good friends is an interior designer, and I've had a chance to kind of watch her as she works and learn a little bit about it. And there are so many aspects that go into interior designing, and it's such an incredible career. And you don't realize, like, how many different towns you need to have to design even just one room from the paint to, you know, the facing and being able to have that kind of visual eye for things because I'm super, I'm not like that. Like, I have to read everything and I can't visualize things. And I think it would be so amazing to even just learn a little bit of what, an interior designer does. And it has to be such a, such an amazing creative outlet too. I look at it and I see uh, rooms like before and after and I just, my jaw drops. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. I want to do that. <laughs> I know. I sit there and I, I'll flip through Pinterest and, you know, I'll make all these boards and I'm like, oh yeah, that looks so pretty. Right. But then when push comes to shove, I would never be able to execute that. <laughs> It's one of those things you kind of just maybe have to start with some trial and error. That's what I've been doing. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start with my bedroom. What's the feel I want my bedroom to have? What are some things right. that would that would give me that feeling? What's the color palette? And just kind of go from there. And I, I know that it'll never be Pinterest worthy, but it'll make me feel good. So I'm like, I'm going to try it anyway. 
I, I love that the thing we want to learn about is very similar. Um, so I'd love to, uh, I'd like to conclude the interviews that we have with these fun quick hit questions. We call them after hours on the website because it's kind of about your life beyond your work day. Um, so I'm going to make a statement and then I'd love for you to fill in the blank. Great. Okay. The first one, I'd love to have coffee with. Do they have to be alive? Mm-mm. No, we can write the rules here. This is our own interview. <laughs> I would love to have coffee with Freddie Mercury. Ooh. Did you watch uh, the movie? I did. Growing up, I my father raised a, He was a total, total music buff. And that has stuck with me to this day. My boyfriend will be sitting in the car and he'll be like, okay, we have to stop because you know every single song on the radio. Like, I grew up with Queen, um, the Beatles, the PGs, Elvis. I had an Elvis poster in my room. And so music has always been a huge part of my life. But Queen is one of the bands that was so prominent. And so it's just, and Freddie Mercury, everything that he was and everything about him, I would just love to just sit with him. And I don't even know. He just is so cool. It'd be amazing to find out how someone that creative thinks and how they look at the world. And I know. Just sit there and, and kind of prod them and ask those questions. <laughs> no, it's, it's so true. And I, growing up, I played the piano and I always, not even just Freddie Mercury, but any musician who's able to, like Lady Gaga, oh, would love to get coffee with her too. She is like my spirit animal. To be able to sing and then play the piano at the same time while also looking at the crowd and doing like a million other things. Playing the piano alone was hard enough for me. And then <laughs> they do all things combined. It's like to have that musical talent is so surreal. And it's just, it's an incredible, incredible thing. And I wish, I wish I could be like that. I hear you. A hundred percent. If we could only design houses and sing and perform on the piano at the same time right. to crowds of, of thousands and or hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> That's so funny. I know. Okay, so I'd love to hear a little bit about what are the the books on my nightstand are? The books on my nightstand are all of my fiancés and they're all in Spanish, so I don't read them. <laughs> Okay, next up. My current favorite saying or mantra is? Live each day as if it were your last. My favorite way to spend my day off is? Going to the park with my dog and my fiance with a bottle of wine. Ooh, that sounds nice. <laughs> uh, one lesson I've learned <laughs> lately is? Um, do what makes you happy. If you're not doing what's making you happy right now, change it. Uh, the most important thing you can do is whatever it is that you want to do and what's going to make you happy. I can't live without. My dog. Of course, Ziggy. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I feel my best when? I'm at the beach. 
And then, of course, the question I've been dying to ask you, uh, my current favorite Rebecca Minkoff purse is? Uh, the Brie belt bag. It's the fanny pack, so I feel like I'm channeling, like, my inner 90s child. I think I need that, since it's Brie, after all. <laughs> yeah, you do, and it's amazing. My namesake. And it's like, you feel like you're Cher from Clueless. It's amazing. Oh, that sounds so fun. Who doesn't want to be Cher? I want to go through her closet. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh, Elizabeth, it was so fun to talk to you, to hear about your incredible career, your boldness and your willingness to take big steps and your your raw honesty about, you know, loving to be meticulously organized and multitasking and this amazing advice you have. So for people who are listening, where can they find you on social media as well as the Female Founder Collective? So you can find... Female Founder Collective on Instagram at, at, at the Female Founder Collective, and you can find me on Instagram at Elizabeth Excellent. So I'm just going to repeat that because it cut out just a little bit for people listening. Um, you can find Elizabeth at Elizabeth Leonard underscore on Instagram. Perfect. Well, girl, it was so great to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing your time uh, with with me of for course. this Thank interview. You for having me. Yeah, and for all of the listeners, I mean, I meant it when I said people are going to hear this interview and they're going to feel so inspired and they're like, okay, what's that risk I want to take? Because it's exciting to hear oh, that, so. that you did that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh, we'd love to have you back on sometime. So thank you so much for your time and, and for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of I Want Her Job, the podcast. We rely on word of mouth to grow. So if you like today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. And for more I Want Her Job 24-7, visit us at IWantHerJob.com.